0: Hello, and welcome to Doing the Work with Jay and Becca, Episode 4, Spiritual Comrades with Pam Grout. We are so excited to be with Pam Grout, speaker, author, and all-around amazing human.
1: Hi, I'm Jay Pryor, life coach, speaker, and author of Lean Inside, Seven Steps to Personal Power, A Practical Guide to Transformation. My definition of transformation is chipping away at everything that is not your highest best self in our podcast doing the work with Jay and Becca we take on personal transformation to have you show up powerfully in your life and business
0: and I'm Becca Booth marketing strategist focusing on strategy sales and social and I'm the guinea pig so I'm the one doing the work right along with Jay And I'm the fresh face to it. So I'm still new at all of this stuff and learning along the way. So I'm ready to learn along with you.
1: Listen to our podcast and we know our commitment to you is that we leave you inspired, lifted up, and no matter what, knowing that you're on the right path as long as you're willing to take progress, not perfection, to create your life exactly the way you want it.
0: All right. So here we go. really what I'd like to sort of hear a little bit about you more. So just a little, can you give us a quick, uh, this is who Pam Grout is, um, so that the audience can get to know you a little bit.
2: Okay, well, who I am, that's always a a funny question, (laughs) and it kind of depends, my answer depends on who I happen to be talking to, but I guess overall in my work, I mean, that's what people tend to want to know when they ask, oh, well, what do you do, or who are you? I mean, I think people tend to identify themselves with their work, oh, who I am as a lawyer, who I am as a, you know, screenwriter, whatever, but um, so, you know, who I am in that regard is I am a writer who has been passionately following my dream for a long time. You know, I've written all kinds of different things. Again, just like we were talking earlier about the meditation, I switch up what kind of writing that I do. Um, I, I write books, you know, for a living. I also write articles for a lot of different publications. But as far as who I am in a bigger sense, you know, I feel like I'm a piece of the cosmos. And I feel like I'm here to you know, kind of inspire and uplift people and also to really change the dominant paradigm. I feel like we are stuck in this paradigm that is so, um, I don't know, it's, it's such a little tiny box and when there's so much more possible. So I feel like as far as a bigger picture of who I am or what my purpose is, is to expand Ban this viewpoint that we have because there is just so much more possible. You know, they talk about you use like 99 point or you use like 1% of your brain or or 10% of your brain or whatever that little, I can't even remember now what it was. I've been hearing that statistic since I was young. But I think it's really true. I mean, I think they use it in terms of the brain like, oh, um, we only use a small percentage of our brain, but just a small percentage of what is possible. I mean, I don't think we have as much fun as we can have. I don't think we have as much... Um, you know, exploration as we can have. I don't think we have as much, you know, use our creativity as much as we can. So there's all these hidden potentials that we all have. And because we're stuck in this paradigm, I think we don't really explore them. So in some ways, I feel like my role in life is to give permission for people to explore some of those other areas of their life. So I don't know if that tells you who I am. I'm a mother. I mean, that's been a really big part of my identity over the last... Oh, my daughter's about to graduate from college for the last 22 years, you know, being her mom. In fact, right now I'm really exploring that because I'm going back and looking at all the, you know, the photo albums. We're getting ready for her graduation party. And I mean, so much of my life revolved around creating, you know, a life that I could support her, but also, you know, pursue my passion. And I guess, you know, that's what it's all about, finding the balance and finding you know, the way to, you know, make it all work. So so anyway, I don't know if that answers your question. I guess that's a really long-winded answer to your question. Oh, it's, oh, it's a
1: great answer. It's yeah.
0: perfect.
1: Well, and I'm thrilled to be with you, Pam, because obviously we're friends in life as well as um, colleagues in this what I would call transformational journey. I consider you a transformational leader. And we've talked about it uh, before that I think we both uh, come from the perspective that we're truth students,
2: Yes, I love that. I love that. Truth, students. Truth with a capital T. Not the truth that, you know, people can um, think they know the truth, but no, it's a lot bigger truth. (laughs) So yes, definitely, I like that.
1: Yeah, and one of the things that I think inspires people about you and something that for us and for me, you know, like I use your work in my work as I'm coaching people, and one of the ways that I do that with your book, E Squared, for example, is when I have somebody who is just dipping their toe into the water of law of attraction and just starting this, you approach, the way you approach your writing and the way you approach law of attraction, the way you, you teach and present is very non-threatening. I mean, you, you're, you have a real gift of being able to, first of all, come from a, the, the perspective of, of neuroscience and quantum theory and all of that, but you make it accessible to people so that it doesn't freak them out.
2: Right. Well, one of the things I always say that, you know, we want this stuff to be sustainable. We don't want to just get excited about it for, you know, five minutes and then, you know, move on to something else. We want it to be sustainable. And I don't think anything can be sustainable unless it's enjoyable, unless it's fun. So I'm really very much focused on trying to make the work that I do funny, humorous, not intimidating because and and enjoyable. I mean, people are supposed to have fun. I think part of the problem when people are trying to access these other realms, is they're taking it so serious, you know. We take it so darn serious. We're just playing around the quantum playground. I mean, that's what we're here to do. And so the more we can do that. So, yeah, thank you for that compliment, Jay, because that is really important to me, is to make it something that people will continue to do. And if it's fun, they'll continue to do it.
1: Yeah, and that really works for me as a coach. Uh, you know, I when I when especially when I first start with a client, I assign them different books to have them always be in the in the game or in the, you know, in the work somehow, but I never know what's going to resonate with them. Uh-huh. And for some people, you know, <clears throat> for some people, for example, you know, channeled work is just freaks them out completely. But pretty much always, you're a safe bet on that. Oh, good. That's good to know. People can generally play with E-squared or E-cubed and do those experiments and have fun with them and then start to see how they're the ones who are creating their own reality by the way that they think and the way that they experience the the exercises that, that they've done.
2: Right. And the whole thing about that book, I'm not trying to, you know, beat anything over anybody's head. I'm just saying, hey, look, here's an opportunity to try this. Give it 48 hours. I mean, how, that's not hard, you know, 48 hours to see if this could be possible that you actually can connect to this bigger force. So I think. More than anything, the book has really resonated because it gives people an opportunity to see it for themselves with their own eyes. You know, it's one thing people can talk theory till the cows come home, but like, like you know, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. How does it work in your own life? So I think that the experiment idea really has resonated with people.
0: Oh, it definitely has experienced. It is something that I've been able to share with so many different people. And just to expand on that a little bit, I think one of the things that uh, maybe we could talk a little bit about in terms of E-squared is you have... Sort of chapters, but they're each very, very short and succinct, and they're based around an idea of you're gonna you're gonna create an opportunity for yourself to to sort of see how the law of attraction works. Um, so you know, I think again, you know, from a fear perspective, you kind of let people get tastes and bites of it. Um, so how did you start that writing process? Was it just you know, I'm going to attack this from a whole different perspective. It was a, I'm doing these experiments and I want to share them with people. Like, how did you come up with that, that thought, the way to write it that way?
2: Well, I, I picked nine principles that I've used in my own life that have been really important in my own life. And again, rather than say to people, oh, you need to do this, I, I put it in the form of an experiment. Most of them are 48 hours. And it's like, hey, try this for 48 hours. And so I set it up literally like a lab report sheet with, you know, hypotheses. And um, here's the experiment. Here's what you try for 48 hours. So, so I, guess, I guess you are asking, how did I choose these? Again, I chose principles that I think are important. And again, principles that I have used in my own life. And a lot of people do ask, well, how did you get into writing these principles? You know, you're a travel writer. You know, you write personality profiles. You know, you do this other stuff. But again, I think I've been able to do so many of these things, you know, I travel all over the world, go to every continent except for uh, Antarctica. (laughs) You know, I've been able to do that by using these principles. So... I think they're so important, I mean, I just think there's something that everybody needs to know. Again, if we want to change the dominant paradigm, if we want to get out of this rut that we're in, these boxes that we're in, we have to sort of know that we do not live in an indifferent universe. I mean, I think that's just like the standard thing everybody thinks. We live in this indifferent universe and that we're all separate and that it's us against the world and as long as we come at the world from that way then we're not going to be able to do all that's possible. So I think it's really, I don't know, I just wanted to introduce people to this thing. I mean, if I really want to change the world and if I really want to see big things changing, people have to get onto this information, which is truth. Like Jay was just saying, this is the truth with a capital T. This is the way it is. So people need to know that instead of, you know, what they've been, you know, how they're living their life, thinking that, again, that they live in a different universe, that they're separate, that, you know, it doesn't really matter what they're doing, you know, so this is, I don't know, I mean, part of it is, you know, for my own, I mean, you know, also we teach, or, or we write what we want to know, you know, we want to focus on more, I mean, one of the principles is you focus you on, you focus on, expand, so I wrote this partly because I wanted to focus on it, because <laughs> I wanted to expand in my life, so, you know, there's a lot of different reasons why I did it, yeah. or why I wrote the book.
1: Yeah, now, I know, because I'm a friend of yours, but I don't know if a lot of people know that. Um, e squared is actually a, a, a second, a second version of a of a book that you wrote. How 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 long did ago did you write? God doesn't have bad hair hair days.
2: Oh my gosh! Like oh, uh, I don't know, maybe. Two thousand one kind of rings a bell, but I don't think it was that long ago. But it was like a little ten years ago. In fact, you know when it was. Remember when that movie The Secret came out? You know, and it just spread around the. Yeah. Everybody was okay. It came out at that time. In fact, in the book, I didn't even use the word law of attraction because to me, it's more about spiritual principles or this bigger force that we can be connected to. So. As it turns out, you know, my blog's one best law of attraction blog and the book's best law of attraction. So it is the law of attraction. But I don't even know that I used that word in the first book or at least the first time I wrote it. But anyway, I guess what I was trying to say is so my book came out about the same time as The Secret. In fact, my editor of that book, God Doesn't Have Bad Hair Days, said to me, she goes, you know, I just don't get it. You know, your book is kind of like The Secret. She goes, just like The Secret. But yours is so much more fun and so much better written. Why did yours not do very well? Because truly, when that book first came out, it didn't do anything. It didn't sell very much. But but part of the problem, well, i sh- one, one of the things I like to say is I opened my joy channels, and that's why. Then again, I came back out with it, and it you know took off. But also, they had hired a fundamentalist Christian publicist to because it had the word God in it, you know. So I think a lot of people misunderstood what that book was about. So I think that was another reason why it didn't take off into the stratosphere like E squared ended up doing.
1: Yeah, and that's one of the things I wanted to get to was that you know, what were, what did you think some of the reasons were? One, I my I surmised was that it had gotten the title. Um, but also that, um, you know, you weren't ready for the success yet. <laughs> you know what I mean?
2: My gosh, that's so true. I mean, part of, you know, I was talking earlier about my daughter. She was still at home. Like when, um, and so there was a part of me, you know, again, I'm a single parent and I do have a partner. So it's not like, Oh it's just me again. You know you know what I mean, but but still I wanted to be here for her band concerts. I wanted to be here for her soccer games. I wanted to be here for that stuff. So I think there was a part of me that even though I was affirming, oh, I'm going to go on Oprah and this book's going to take off, blah, blah, blah. And I was getting a lot of great feedback on God Doesn't Have Bad Hair Days. But I think a part of me wasn't ready for that yet because I didn't, because I mean, I'm traveling all over the world talking about this book. And, you know, Taz is off at college now, so, you know, she doesn't even know if I'm here or not. You know what I mean? So I think a part of me wasn't ready. And also, you know, as we've talked before, Jay, you know, that idea, because I've been put on a much bigger stage, you know, more limelight on me. And there's a part of me... That, you know, that's still afraid of all that, you know yeah. what I mean? That's still adjusting to that. So yes, I think that's so true. I was not really ready at that
1: time. Yeah, and that's, I think that that happens with the law of attraction and all the work we do, is even though we can say and affirm what we want, really until we're in alignment with it or until we're ready, for lack of a better word, it's it doesn't come to fruition. But the, in the, the game, for me anyway... Is to stay on the horse or stay on the game, stay in the game, and enjoy the journey along the way, rather than focusing on that destination that's out there somewhere. And yes, I so- would assert that that's something that you're a master at. I mean, I one of the things that knowing you the way I know you better than you know most people that are going to be listening to this is that you have a lot of fun in your life. You play pickleball. You're active. Like you know you wear converse tennis shoes like you're just you have a lot of fun in your life and you en- it occurs as though you enjoy the journey
2: Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, there's just so much to enjoy. I mean, even like right now, I'm really into like being outside like I was talking about earlier. And just every day I go out and I look, oh, wow, look, this new rose has bloomed today or this new clematis has bloomed today. I mean, there's so much wonder and joy. I mean, and those are the simple things. But also, I just really believe in having fun. And I've been so blessed in my life because I never did do it the corporate way or the Um, you know, that paradigm. I have always been on my own, you know, as a freelancer. And so I... You know, I've been really blessed in that regard because when you're freelance, when you work for yourself, you have a lot of flexibility. And as long as you get your work done, I mean, as long as I meet my deadlines, I mean, I can work at four in the morning if I want to or whatever. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter as long as I meet my obligations. So I've always been big on this flexibility and having a lot of fun. And so, yeah, I love, I mean, yesterday, all day, I didn't do one work thing at all. I mean, I just had fun all day long. This friend ended up stopping by and we spent. The whole afternoon talking about politics, which is kind of fun. I'm sort of into that, but you know what I mean. We, and get, getting excited about a particular candidate, but <laughs> anyway. So, um, so yeah, I just I love the the flexibility, and I do really think it's important to stay on the joy channel. I mean, I call it the divine buzz. You know, there's this there's this joy underneath these beliefs that we have. You know, again that paradigm that oh I've got to do this, I've got to do that. It Has to be hard. Joy underneath it all, and I think accessing that is really the secret, and that's what I hope you know people will get from my work is accessing that higher thing that's there that's covered up by all their beliefs.
0: I think it's interesting um, that you the, the way that I met you. Actually, I had read your book because it was recommended to me by Jay, but then we ended up at a. Um, uh, what's the group called? Where you learn how to give speeches and oh, Toastmasters. Toastmasters. Yes. That's what it was. Yes. And so you came into Toastmasters, and we were just kind of chatting. And I did. I hadn't put A and B together of who I was sitting there talking to. And you were talking about how nervous you were about public speaking. Um, and I'm thinking, oh well, you know, I wasn't thinking of you as the author Pam Grout. And then all of a sudden you. I think we, you said your last name and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the Pam Grout that I've been reading. Oh my, and you know, I got a little bit like, ah, you know, I'm sitting in front of this famous author and she's telling me that she's nervous about going out and sort of sharing her work with the world because she's going to have to get up in front of people and do it. Can you talk on that a little bit about how maybe that's like, how... Maybe I mean, in terms of the joy channel and, and, you know, letting yourself be ready for the success of E-squared, part of getting ready was knowing you're going to have to go out and do that part, too.
2: Yeah. Well, um, you know, it's funny because there's always, you know, like we know these principles, there's always these little things that maybe we don't want to put to that test. So, I mean, really for me to, and I have said it way too many times, oh, I'm too scared to speak. I mean, I've said that hundreds of times. And so this is the perfect example of me not using these principles <laughs> because I've focused more on that and I've said that too much. And the truth is, in the reality, um, you know, I i think my speeches have been fine. I mean, I think I'm doing okay. But, you know, I mean, I've got this big block. That goes back to that thing where we have truth covered up because I think, in my mind, I've got this belief, you know, this thought that, oh, I'm not really good at this or or whatever. So because of that, I can't even see truth. I mean, sometimes people will come up to me after and go, oh, my gosh, that was the most inspiring speech. And it's almost like my mind goes blank or something or, or, or you know what I mean? It's like, so I still have that little bit. So. I guess I can talk about it, but I I keep affirming, saying, okay, no, I'm not going to talk about this anymore, then I keep talking about it, you know, (laughs) I'm not good at speaking, or whatever, but, so it's been a journey for me, but one thing, you know, that I, that you're, what you just said, brought up, um, it's, it's so important to know that everybody does feel some of this stuff, I mean, even the most, think of the very most successful person you can even think of, like, I just you know, finished up this creativity book that doesn't come out until 2017, but I have a section there called You're in Good Company. And I mean, it, it has all these people from Steven Spielberg, to, I mean, people that are the, at the height of their game, and they still are insecure, and they still have these feelings. I mean, that is just the human condition, but we also at the same time have this potential connection to this bigger thing, and that goes back to what do you want to focus on? Do you want to focus on that human part of yourself, or that other thing, that connection you have to this bigger thing that wants to use you to express itself. You know, we're, we're like the, you know, the bodies doing the work for the, you know, this invisible force that's out there, um, you know, trying to change the world, trying to expand and grow. So, so anyway, I mean, the point is everybody has their little things. Everybody has insecurity, whatever. But again, do we want to focus on that part of ourselves or do we want to focus on this other thing?
1: Well, which is you know one of the things I wanted to ask you because I I don't know if this is true or not and I don't I don't know if I've ever asked you this Pam but you know one of the phrases that I teach and that we talk about in our uh, in our groups that you and I are in is the phrase up until now And when we catch ourselves affirming something that we don't want like I'm not good at speaking we often you know say to each other up until now and. I have I mean I attribute that to you. you're the one that taught me up until now. Did you make that up or did somebody teach that to you?
2: Yeah and you know years ago this was before Taz was even born I did this workshop. it was one of those weekend workshops a little bit like s but it wasn't asked. and it and they they taught us that phrase this is like back when I was 33 years old and they they taught us that phrase and so I've put it to good use for a long time yeah so no. I, I might have introduced it to you, but I didn't make it up because I had heard it in this workshop. Well, you've
1: introduced it to me and a ton of other people because I, yeah. I pass it on to everybody I know. But one of the things that you know is so important about that is that world of pre-paving how we want our lives to go. And you know, just like you said, you've had a lot of pre-paving saying I'm not good at this, way more <laughs> than you've had pre-paving that I'm a great speaker. You know what I mean?
2: Yes, but yes. it's so
1: interesting how, and this is something that I think is important to talk about is, and I share this all the time with my clients, I've been doing transformational work now for a long time. I mean, I'm I'm a highly trained individual, and yet there are areas of my life that I can still go unconscious and get into those old beliefs as though those beliefs are the truth rather than the truth of who I am. Yes. And so part of the reason that, you know, you and I belong to a group that called the Spiritual Entrepreneurs that we've been in now together for, God, five, six years, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I've lost track. But,
2: yeah, it's definitely a while. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. I know we were doing it in 2010. So I think it was even maybe 2009. So it's been a while. And then we also both go to an Abraham group called The Vortex. And we surround ourselves. We have a whole little posse of people that we surround ourselves with that help us stay conscious and stay in this there are truth students with us and you know it's just so helpful to have other people that are in this work with us and that are are in the same conversation do you want to could you speak to that for a second
2: Yeah, no, I think that's such a good point and I talk about that
1: all the time in my
2: work. I used to call them my power posses, but now I kind of call them my possibility posses. I don't know, just again, I like to mix things up. But it is so important. Just like right then, you reminded me. About the up until now. So even though I've known that for, what, 20-some years, you reminded me. And that is really the truth. And I think that's what we do in these groups. A, we celebrate this information. You know, we're, we're together celebrating this information. And then when we hear the stories, you know, somebody brings in some miracle story. And then you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Because we need to be reminded. Again, these old habits are, you know, we've been in them for a long time. Like you mentioned, I have repeated that phrase quite a bit. And it's a phrase I want to I get out of that rut. So together we remind each other because sometimes I may not see my magnificence, but you can see it. You know, So that's kind of what happens too. We hold that space to see each other's magnificence. We tell these stories. We talk this game. And then we get more um, solidified in these beliefs. I mean, we literally are growing a different world by getting together and meet. And I encourage everybody to get into a posse of some kind, where they talk about this thing, where they talk about truth, because it's just so important. I think it's really the only conversation I want to have anymore. I mean, it's the only conversation worth having, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree, and I and I think it's so powerful. I love the what, the the phrase that you just said. We are growing a new world. <laughs> I love that. Yes, <laughs> let's grow a new world. That's fantastic. <laughs>
2: Well, the big thing, you know, I love Buckminster Fuller saying, you know, we can rail and fight all we want against, you know, the way things are, but the better thing, rather than fight the existing reality, is to create a better reality so the old one becomes obsolete. So, as long as we're fighting, oh, this this is bad, I don't want this to happen... We're always fighting. We've got that energy putting out. But as we create this other possibility, like, let's get together and talk about exciting things. Let's get together and talk about miracles. Then pretty soon, that's compelling. People are like, man, I want in on that. So that's how we change the world is by, well, you know, being the change or whatever. But truly, we can't change the existing reality, but we can create a different reality. And then no longer is that reality appealing. It's obsolete. So that's really what we're doing, I think. Yeah, that's a blast. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, you know, from the from the layman's perspective on my end, you know, not being trained in the coaching area, there's a feeling that you get when you're around um, others who are in the work. Um, there's just this buzz, and maybe that's that divine buzz that you were sort of mentioning earlier. There's just this feeling that you get when you are around other people who sort of get it. And then all of a sudden, like, there's this sort of level that you all are on together. And when you walk out into the world, I know that... I am, you know, I'm putting out a more positive, more um, approach, you know, to the world, and people will respond to that in a different way. I'm more creative, I'm more open to meeting new people, I'm more open to learning new things. I mean, and it's like, the, the further I get away from being in that group, and I'm sort of trying to do it all on my own, um, the less that sort of stays with me. And so needing to go back and getting back into that, you know, rub off, you know, come rub your, your loving, wonderful energy on me a little bit so I can take that out and feel good about myself. Um, And so that's why I think coaching is so important and why I keep coming back to coaching. And it's, it is a practice. It is something you have to keep doing. Um, And why I read your book. Um, probably once a week I pick up your book and read just, a, just one of the experiments and I'll say, okay, you know, I'm sort of getting out of practice, so I'm going to come back and I'm just going to pick it up and open it up to a chapter and I read one and I do it that week or the next 48 hours or whatever. Um, and I think that's so, so such a blessing to have those things. You say that you have E squared, right, which is the first one. Um, and then you have E cubed,
2: right? right that's the one that fo- that is a follow-up to e squared and I don't know so much it's a follow-up I mean it's nine new experiments and I call them corollaries to you know the principles that I talked about in e squared um and you know basically it just takes you further into the quantum field it's just a little bit deeper I suppose but um but yeah so that that came out after e squared was e cubed
0: well I've got to tell you a quick story about e cubed um I was doing the activity where you look for, what is it, seven things. One's a beach ball and a man wearing a funny hat and, you know, all of those things. I was doing uh-huh. it with my daughter um, at the time she was 11, and she was really not so much into this whole thing. She thought I was crazy. Every time I was like, thinking it'll be, and blah, blah, blah. and she was always like, Mom, give me a break. <laughs> um, and so we were actually in downtown Kansas City. And so we had been looking for all of these different things. We're in downtown Kansas City, which was, you know, skies, there was huge giant buildings. There's construction everywhere. There's thousands and thousands of people wandering around us. And we're just walking down the street. And all of a sudden we turn and we see this little boy carrying a beach ball. And they're like throwing a beach ball back and forth to each other. And my daughter and I look at each other and we're both like, beach ball, beach ball. And we're like jumping up and down in the middle of downtown Kansas City going beach ball, beach ball, beach ball. And it was like, everyone's looking at us like we're totally insane. And she was like, Oh my God, mom, you're right. It's so true. It's real. It's real. And so it was like this defining moment for us. So now whenever she starts to sort of turn and, and try to be, you know, teenage negativity girl, Um I say to her, I just all, all I have to say
2: to her is beach ball. And she's like, okay, <laughs> you're
0: right. Okay, beach ball long. Um, oh, I
2: so. love that trigger. That's fabulous. And how fun is that that it's a beach ball? Because a beach ball represents everything fun. You know, it's bouncy, it's light. You often have one at the beach, which is how cool is that? So that's a great trigger for her to have. That's like, you know, there's those, uh, I think in NLP, that is a little thing like where you like you snap a, a wristband or something every time you think, or whatever. But, I mean, to me, like, beach ball is much more fun than a wristband. Yes, <laughs> so yeah. that's really cool.
1: <laughs> much more fun than self-inflicted horror. Yes.
0: Let's remember the beach ball. Let's remember the beach ball. Well, one of the things that, uh, you know, we were sort of talking about before we started today, and this sort of leads into it, you know, this fear of, you know, putting out to the world and who you are and one of those, you know, how we feel about, what, how we approach the world is that um, you had said that you really believe in being a dork and I want to oh. <laughs> I want to I want to get into that because um, I, I totally agree and I have a whole thing that I've had forever about sort of the dork mentality so I'd love to hear a little bit more about what what, what you mean by that
2: well what I mean by that I think it's just a way kind of a funny way to break out of that you know, that rut we're all in that we have to look a certain way, we have to be a certain way. I mean, there are so many rules that we feel that we have to follow. I mean, like the fashion police will get us if we're not dressed properly, or if, um, you know, if we don't have the right job or we haven't done this by age 21. I mean, just the things that we put on ourselves, the rules... So being a dork, and I was just thinking about that yesterday because I was walking. I love to walk. I mean, any place I can walk and not drive, I mean, that's so cool. So anyway, I was walking to get some dog food for my dog. And so I had on these weird bright red socks. I mean, this is like a small little example. And so I I was going to put these flip-flops on with them. And that looks pretty dorky. And I was just thinking how cool... Um, it was that I love to be a dork because it's just a practice of saying, you know, I don't care, I'm not going to conform to those rules of what society thinks I should be. I mean, I read an interview with Stephen Colbert once and he said that he actually forces himself to do things that are out of the, you know, the norm, like he'd stand in an elevator backwards and sing and he would force himself to do all these things because if you really want to be a creative individual and you really want to express this bigger thing, you have to let go of that fear we all have that, oh, we're not doing it right, or, oh, we're not, you know, um, I'm not being what society thinks I could be. I'm not following the right rules because we all have these rules in our head, even if we're not aware of them. even I mean, no matter who you are, even if you're not into this kind of work at all, you've got all these unconscious beliefs about how you're supposed to be. We all have them. 100% of the time, people have them. So just by practicing being a dork, Or just letting yourself be a dork. I don't have to practice. I'm already good at it. Because letting (laughs) yourself be a dork is just a way to kind of get out of that Oh my God! There's a right way to do it, or a certain way to do it. So that's kind of what I what I mean by, you know practicing being a daughter,
0: yeah, not being afraid to jump yeah. up and down the middle of downtown Kansas City, screaming the word beach ball.
2: Right. You know, you so many people's day. Seriously, I mean that's what we're talking about. You know that divine buzz that other people pick up. You know, people love seeing that. Even if it, I mean, people love. I love like one day. My daughter and I were at this airport, and there was this guy dancing around the airport completely by himself, just wild movements. You know, as he as he went around, from, you know, from gate to gate. I mean, we started following, kind of like. Um you know, the Pied Piper, we were just so thrilled by, it. you know, here he is at an airport, you know, people at airports do not dance around, they sit there, <laughs> look at their phone, I mean, they're like, oh, I wish that my flight would hurry, you know what I mean, they're, they're in their heads, they're totally, here this guy was out expressing joy in the airport, it was beautiful, now I have to admit that I haven't yet let myself be dorky that way, but I loved it, I mean, to me, he was giving me a great gift, and I think any time we get out of that, you know, this is what I have to be. We're giving people a gift. Because if he has the permission to do it, then I have the permission to do it. Heck
0: Absolutely. yeah. Heck yeah. I love that.
1: Well, and that also leads into, you know, one of the things that you're a big stand for that I don't know that everybody knows this about you because your your books that are popular are very, you know, obviously a lot of attraction-based, transformation-based, you know, spiritual-based. But the other thing that you're a huge stand for and, represent and speak about even have a TEDx on it is creativity and how to access your own creativity and how that everybody has it in them and that you know I do think again back to that old paradigm that you're talking about that paradigm would say some of us are creative and some of us some of us just aren't yeah right
2: right we were trained that I mean one of the things I talk about in that TED talk is Robert Fulgham's little green play, or not screen play, they turned it into a play, all all I need to know I learned in kindergarten, so they turned it into a stage play. And you know, in the stage play, they have the actors, their kindergartens, and the teacher asks, Oh, hey, how many of you guys are actors, dancers, painters? They all wave their arms wildly. I mean, yes, they are, they are, they are. By second grade, she asks the same group of students, and then maybe, you know, most of them still are, but a lot, they're starting to drop out. By the time they're in high school, I mean, only one or two will admit that they're creative. You know, like, Oh, I'm not a painter. Oh, I'm not a dancer. I'm not a writer, whatever. So we we get it. Again, those rules will teach us that we're not that way. But at the same time, I believe all of us. Are creative and I think it's something we all need to practice on a daily basis is being more creative. For one thing it makes your life more fun and the other thing is that Um, it helps you to access that bigger thing because creativity or imagination or whatever is getting out of that rut that we're in. So to me, creativity is everything. And in fact, the book that I have coming out in 2017 is about creativity and, and why that is so important, about creativity and spirituality, you know, again, that connection to the bigger thing. But by being open to creativity, then you're also open to that. And, you know, we were talking about channeling stuff earlier. To me, every artist is channeling something bigger than themselves, you know. It's like that's really what we're all doing. You know, when we channel the bigger thing, then then we're hooked in. Then then life is cool. Yeah.
0: Well, we do that with our clients a lot. I work with, uh, in terms of marketing, I have so we're doing these um, new workshops called uh, Creative Click, and they're just sort of trying to get people who are like you, you know, authors and salespeople and solopreneurs and those type of things to, you know, Do do it themselves, marketing things, and the first question that we ask is like, how many of you guys think that you are creative, or how many of you guys have a feeling, a real good feel for being able to design? And everyone kind of stares at us like, oh no, you know, uh, that's not my thing. I think so many people are afraid that there, there's a place where, when art or even what what we consider creativity or like whatever, it's so much more than being able to, you know create a most, the most beautiful painting that you've ever seen. Creativity is about how you think about, you know, think outside the box. How do you think in terms of doing something differently than what everybody else is doing? I'm gonna dance versus walk down the aisle at the airport. You know, that's all part of creativity. Um, could, so with your ideas around creativity, what are things that you do? Do you have a daily practice? I mean, how do you how do you keep yourself in that creative mindset?
2: Well, partly making it as an intention, like it's important to me to be creative. It's important for me to do things differently than the way everybody else does it. But one of the things I did a long time ago, in fact, this is sort of the catalyst for this creativity book. And again, it was one of those books that I'd written 18 years ago and now it's going to be re-released. You know, it's kind of like God doesn't have bad hair days. The only two books of mine that ever went out of print. But anyway, so what I had done before that book is I had taken a big piece of butcher block paper and I had hung it on a door in my office and I'd written down all these creative creativity exercises like come up with the title of your autobiography or your memoir. You know, just just fun little things to do. So these are just fun little things. And kind of so, so, literally, I mean, I had an entire door full of, you know, activities to do, you know, fun things to do. But also, do you remember that book, Artist's Way, that Julia Cameron wrote? Yeah, I
1: remember.
2: Ages ago. Okay, so I had been in a workshop without, way back before Taz was born. In fact, I might have been pregnant with her when I did that workshop. But then, when I moved back to the Midwest, I actually led an Artist's Way workshop, and you know, artist Way was all about, oh, let's uncover all those blocks and all those, you know, Sister Mary Margaret told me I couldn't paint or whatever. <laughs> you know, that's all that. But what we did when I facilitated it, you know, we went through the book, but I, I, the first time there were so many people that showed up, I said, why don't everybody bring in a name tag? Make your own name tag. So everybody, you know, you, you know, you have 25 people that are creative or that already I self-identify as creative. I mean, oh my gosh, the... The, the types of name takes they brought in the next week. So every week from that point on, we did a creative project. And it's really freeing because like if you identify as a writer like I do, you have a lot more permission to be a painter because you don't care what it's like. If, you, if you're a writer, then you think, oh, everything has to be perfect. You know what I mean? So it just, it gives you more loosen us to try different things. So we did all these different creative projects. I mean, we literally brought in like one time, I was like, okay, write a poem this week or, or whatever. I can't even remember what all the projects were, but each week instead of, and so it got to where we were less talking about these blocks that we had and these problems that caused us to give up our, you know, our, our art. And we started actually making art. So that was really cool. So so anyway, that's a little bit of, I, I, maybe that didn't even answer your question, but that's kind of how I got into this no, idea of how it yeah. to
1: practice. Well, and it, you, the way you answered it was going back exactly to the same principle that we keep talking about, which is in terms of you know, what you focus on always expands. And if you continue to focus on those blocks and all that drama of being told I couldn't do art, then that's what you keep getting. (laughs) Exactly. And what you did was shift it to let's focus on, like, actually, you know, doing art and doing stuff. You know, and that and it makes it seem like it's more possible. The other thing for me about creativity is, you know, I'm always in the game of perception and shifting people's perception to have them be able to have a different lens. And for me... Like, I would never in the past have said I'm a creative person. Like, it's I, I never even thought of myself as a creative person. And all the areas that I am creative, I wouldn't have called that, like, being an artist. Um, but I started taking courses um, a while back where we had to do a lot of collaging. And I started loving to collage. And so that became an art form for me, first of all. And then having kids for me, like... It is so amazing to do art with my six-year-old because from her perspective, when I draw a picture of a cat, I mean, she tells me all the time, daddy, you're really good at drawing that cat. (laughs) And so from her perspective, from her perspective, I'm a great artist. And so I do a lot more drawing and coloring and like making art as in in what I would call being an artist, like doing art work. Now that I have kids, way than before I ever did, because my perception is completely different. I don't have this perception that it has to be perfect anymore. Because to my kids, it is. It's awesome. And then I see their stuff, and I see how perfect it is, just for the way they are. And it gives me a totally different lens. And really, is I love love doing art now. It's so much fun.
2: It is so much fun. The other thing it causes you to do, like particularly if you're drawing or coloring or something. You have to stop and see. You know, we're all wanting to be more mindful. You know, that's the buzzword. Let's be more mindful. When you're doing art, you are mindful because you are there. So it's a good way. It's like a fun way to be mindful, (laughs) in a Mm -hmm. sense. You know what I mean? So that's another real advantage of practicing creativity. And, I mean, the big thing is just to make yourself, I mean, just do your normal stuff in a creative way, you know. You don't even have to practice an art, per se. I mean, that's certainly one thing to do. And I love, kids are great at that. It's like, you know, kids get to do show and tell. Kids get to, you know, dance around in circles. You know, we adults, we quit doing that. We don't get to do that. But we should all have show and tell. In fact, some ways, you know, we're talking about our possibility posses. In no, some ways, it's like that. a big show and tell circle. We need to do know?
1: show and tell in our next next group.
2: Yeah, awesome. yeah. Awesome. And that's kind of what we're doing anyway. Or at least we're telling. Yeah. But you know, we could show next time. Yeah. You know, like well, and Noah sometimes will bring in something, you know, she's created. So, you know, I mean some of us will do that. But anyway, the point is we all, you know, we need that. You know, kids have it right. You know, we've got it wrong, you know. We we think we're teaching the kids that the They're kids
0: have so oh, yeah. much more to teach us. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting. I saw a speaker the other day that was talking about how in the school system, we've taken so much creativity out of the schools, and that we're so based on our testing, and we have to, um, and we have to, you know, get the right answers and make sure our scores are correct. And so, a lot of that creativity is being taken out, even in the way that teachers are allowed to teach lessons. You know, it's they're so focused on the end result that they're taking away some of that creative aspect. And he was talking about how in the actual business world. One of the top skills that, um, you know, corporate world is asking for is creativity because they need people who are willing to and are able to take them into a new um, a new direction and, and take them and make them move forward. And so creativity is so much more important that they can train somebody how to do X, Y, and Z skip job skills, but you can't really train somebody to be creative and we're sort of pulling that out of kids now in the school system and you mix creativity and law of attraction and all of those stuff with science you know with the quantum field and all those things i mean so you're putting those two pieces together in such a way that maybe most people wouldn't think of when you pick up a book about law of attraction you sort of think more oh it's going to be woo woo and out left field and all that stuff but you really put those two pieces together in a way that i haven't read and a lot of other, you know, stuff that I've I've been picking up lately. So how, where are you? I mean, when you were in school, were you the artist, crazy kid who was thinking outside the box? Were you the scientist or, I mean, all of the above?
2: Oh, uh, that just is so funny that I could be a scientist. I love that notion. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I no, I was not a scientist back in school at all. But I really, I just love thinking about that. Thank you for bringing that, that possibility up. I'm going to rewrite my childhood. No. <laughs> but, no, I was probably more the artist. I always identified with um, with writing. You know, I've always, you know, chosen that, done that. Um, so yeah, and I guess you know how the science piece happens to come into my writing is that you know, as a longtime student of a course in miracles. I, then I started reading some about quantum fields, like, oh my gosh, this is saying what the Course in Miracles says. So I got really pumped about it. And I started doing a lot of reading, a lot of researching about it, and come to find out, and I mean, I think this is, you know, the attraction that probably everybody has to the quantum field. It's like, wow, what we believe spiritually, what we've been saying for the last, I don't know, 2000, what whatever years, is is being proven in the quantum, by quantum scientists, by quantum physicists. So it's like, wow, this is really cool. So for me, as much as anything, it's not that I have any kind of scientific background whatsoever. I just got really excited to read about all this new information that's coming out I mean it's been about a hundred years ago no, about a hundred years a year now <laughs> that you know this first started you know they were experimenting with this stuff and even though it's been around for about a hundred years we're really now just starting to put it into practice in our personal lives I mean we're just now like getting it it's so mind boggling the way things really are that you know it's taken a while for us to really figure out how to how to use this stuff but no for me it, I I have no scientific background but I just got so excited about it and because I'm a journalist you know that was my background. I like researching things. So if I get excited about something, then I'll read a whole lot about it. And then, um, so that doesn't make me an expert, but it makes me, um, you know, to, to know enough that I can actually then, you know, give the information to somebody else. Nice.
0: Yeah.
1: Very cool. Which you're very good at. I mean, that's something that I always appreciate about you is you always have, you always, you're always you a wealth of knowledge walking in, even just in your head, just since we've been talking, the different books you've read or studies you've read or... This person did this study that led to this result. I mean, you're always able to reference those, and I appreciate it a lot, so I don't think like that.
2: Yeah, no, I like finding out that kind of stuff. It's like, oh, okay, this is cool. This proves what I've been thinking all along. It's like, wow. Because, you know, there's lots of different kind of people. Some people, you know, give them all the woo-woo they want. They'll perfectly jump in. There's other people, though, that really need the science, that, you know, have to have that proof, that have to have that, Belief because they said it at Harvard or they did it at Harvard that that makes it okay. You know what I mean. So there's all different kinds of people. So it's just a way to appeal to um, you know all the various types that are out there.
0: So you were just talking a little bit about being a journalist first. So you know one of the things that we didn't really talk about much as we led into this was how you got to where you are now. I mean you are you have done so much. Um, You have how many? I mean over 20 books that you've written. Um, you have been, um, you know, you've written articles, those type of things. Can you just give us a, a a little walk down the memory lane of Pam Gratt? How did you get to writing E-squared, writing E-cubed, writing a book on creativity, and, and having it on the bestseller list?
2: Well, I mean, it's been a journey. You know, I've been... Always loved to write. I mean, I, I was one of these kids that read, you know, in second grade. I got this little special award that made it just for me. She read 256 books or whatever. I mean, and nobody else got... But anybody that likes to read a lot is going to eventually think, oh, I could write too. So, and in fact, even back when I was a kid, I used to write little books and I'd illustrate them, you know, Blackie the Bear and Patty the Penguin and, you know, all these little books. So I've always... Um, you know, been a writer. In fact, you know, a lot of people, you know, go through all this angst, like, oh, what do I want to do with my life? In some ways, I feel so blessed because I've always known I wanted to be a writer. Now, the way I went into writing is I became a journalist. You know, I went to journalism school. I used to write for the Kansas City Star. As I always like to say, it's the same newspaper that launched Ernest Hemingway and Walt Disney's career. So I figured, hey, that's a pretty yeah, good, place. That's so, a good way to go. So, anyway, yeah, no, I was a journalist. And uh, so, and that's a little different than writing creativity. I mean, it is writing, certainly, but it was a good training ground. And so, anyway, that's What I majored in in college was journalism, and then you know went on to write for a newspaper. But very early on, it was really apparent that I wasn't meant to work for the man or to work (laughs) because, like, I would carry or I you know wear flip flops into work. I mean, here I was being a nerd, and it didn't quite fit in. I mean, I'd get not reprimanded as like Pam, we highly suggest that you wear something a little bit different. So I went out on really early. I mean, I've been out on my own, independent for a really long time. I mean. I don't know, 30 years or something like that. But I always was just naive enough to believe that I could do it. I mean, that's really my strength is naivety. You know? <laughs> I love it. If I'd have been following those rules, I mean, because my mom was, you know, worried sick. I should have been, a, you know, a computer programmer, you know, all those, you know, take, this, take the secure route. Oh, so, yeah. I don't know, I just always was naive enough to think, well, I could make this work. And, you know, if you're, if you're naive enough to believe that, then it's going to happen.
0: <laughs> wow, well, and you believed in that you could make it happen. You never had it. You never thought you couldn't. So, I mean, I think that that's so important um, when you jump out there. And there's so many entrepreneurs that are out there that are like, they have the entrepreneurial spirit, but that, that fear is holding them back from making the leap to go out on their own.
1: Well, and more importantly, the words that they, that again, back to the pre-paving, it's like, you know, you didn't ever pre-pave that you couldn't do it.
2: Right, right. There was fear. I I won't say that I didn't have fear. And particularly once I had my daughters, like, yeah, on my own, hey, man, I'm traveling all over, doing all this stuff. I was a little gypsy, and here and there, and doing workshops in Connecticut, and then moving to California. You know what I mean? But then once I had a kid, the the fear did come up a lot more, like, oh, wow, can I keep being this independent um, freelance writer? Can I keep making a living doing what I love? But I went ahead and went for it, and, um, you know, it worked. It worked. Again, you know, I just... Even though I had the fear, I did it anyway. You know, that old thing, feel the fear and do it anyway. I mean, it really is true.
1: Yeah, but there must have been some underlying belief, though, that you could do it, or it probably would have not worked as well. Oh,
2: know? right. Yeah, no, I definitely would have believed it. I mean, or yeah, I know I definitely did believe it. I believed it was possible. I believed. I mean, you know, that's the thing I talk about is all the all the probabilities out there, you know. We end up um, collapsing the way you know, to go back to the quantum thing. We collapse a wave and then that's our possibility. That's all we have available to us once we collapse that wave. But out there in the quantum field, there's like every possibility. And so I was just bold enough or naive enough or whatever you want to call it to believe that that was a possibility for me. So I guess I collapsed that wave <laughs> into my life that, yeah, you know, people do make it as an independent writer and people do do this and, you know, was just gutsy enough to, to try it. And, and the other thing I often say, you know, living in Kansas helps too because our, our cost of living is a little cheaper. Here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, you, can, you can be a little more ballsy here because, you know, your, your rent's not $5,000 a month or right.
1: whatever. Well, and that's something that I just wanted to, to touch on before we go too, that, you know, you and I have ta- I've told you before that we're going to transform the planet from the, from the center of Google Earth. I love that (laughs) Lawrence, Lawrence, Kansas, where we are right now, is the center of Google Earth. And um, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know this. We've had a lot of powerful people, you know, William Burroughs to start with, in terms of writers, right, that have called Lawrence, Kansas, their home. Mm-hmm. And one thing I know about you Pam or at least I, I don't know if we've ever talked about it But at least it seems like you you know, you love you love living here <laughs> like you're You're an LFK girl. So um, Can you talk about that for a minute? Like what do you love about LFK? Oh LFK means Lawrence fucking Kansas by the way.
2: Yes. Yeah, here. I love Lawrence Well for one thing, you know going back to the creativity the creativity in Lawrence like last last weekend. I was down having dinner at Limestone. And I was just looking around. Okay, and then I had just gone over to Love Garden, and they had a concert in there. I was just looking around at all the humanity. The Diversity in Lawrence, Kansas is so beautiful. There is such diversity. There's not the judgment as far as how you dress. I mean, maybe there is, but I don't see it. I just see openness. I see love. I see... People expressing themselves in whatever way they want to express themselves, and I just love it. And so there's a lot of creativity here, and there's a lot of opportunities, and it's easy. You know, I'm all about smooth and easy. Like, if I want to go, I can walk. I mean, I can walk. I love it. You know, I could live in a big city, and, and it's fun. I mean, I get to travel, so I get to do all those cool things, but I want my actual basic lifestyle to be easy, and it's easy in Lawrence, Kansas. It's easy here. Heck yeah. So that's part of the reason I love it. I love the creativity. Creative people, I love um, you know the art scene. I I don't know. I just love it all.
0: Yeah, it's a good place to be. So, you know, we always the center of Google or so literally, if you put it in the center of the earth in Google.
1: Yeah, there's an apartment. There's
0: a it's a on Meadow because the person who created the Google Maps lived in Meadowbrook Apartments here in Lawrence. We are where the University of Kansas is, Rock Chalk, um, so. We have, it's a, it's a really a mecca in the center of Kansas. So don't be afraid, all of those who are out and about in the world listening to this today. Come visit us in Lawrence, Kansas. You'll be surprised by what you find. So what's next for Pam Grout? What do you, so you've got a book that's coming out in 2017. You're yeah, traveling.
2: One that,
1: right?
2: Yeah, I've got one coming out in August. Oh, book, well, it just got moved up. It's my book about gratitude. You know, we were talking earlier about that buzz, you know, that, that, that you get from people the best way to get that buzz, and I've got stories in there about people that were just so happy and so looking at everything as God. Everything was wonder. And, I mean, people would literally come out of their way to go be with this person because there's so much, you know, this buzz that they have. But anyway, so so it's about getting on the frequency of joy and gratitude. The book is called Thank and Grow Rich. It's a takeoff on, you know, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. But it's a 30-day, the subtitle is a 30-day experiment in shameless gratitude and unabashed joy. And I have people do this little thing for 30 days. I mean, people seem to like the experiment. But again, it's a way of testing them out for yourself. Don't take anybody's word for it. But it's all about gratitude and how so important that is. It changes everything. Gratitude is the seed that causes the beauty to happen gratitude again it's a way of finding that truth we were talking about earlier gratitude it's 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 simple enough it doesn't threaten anybody <laughs> you know what i mean it's like oh okay i can be grat i can be grateful so anyway yeah so that one comes out next that's um the end of august thank and grow rich so that one's coming out and then you tour that-
0: around book tour with that with that book
2: um, you know, publishers don't do book tours as much about that as as they used to. But, I mean, I've got some speaking gigs about that. And I'm sure I'll be blogging about it. I'm sure I'll be talking about it. I'll probably, you know, do a, do a gazillion podcasts about it. But I just think it's a really important topic, um, gratitude. Again, it's simple but so profound. So profound.
1: It's so simple. It's one of those things that, again, you know, being able to stay conscious is always the game. And it's always one of my, as a coach, it's always one of my um, litmus tests. Like if I am on a phone with a client or talking to a client and they're not, ha- they're not doing as well or there's something slipped out, gratitude is part of their maintenance plan once they come to work with me is like having a practice of gratitude on a regular basis. And I can always tell just as soon as they get on the phone, I can hear in their voice when that gratitude practice has slipped out. Because, again, it's where we focus, and if we're focusing on gratitude, then that will expand, and we have more to be grateful for. Um, and if we're not, then if we go unconscious to it, then our focus gets, tends to get back to all the the way things are now or the way things are not working. So it's a powerful tool for people to just always go to gratitude. It never fails you.
2: Right, exactly. In fact, you know that scene in um – you guys see a few good men where Jack Nicholson's up on the
1: yeah.
2: on the witness stand and Tom Cruise is like, "You can't handle the, or no no Tom Cruise is badgering. Did you do the code red? Did you do the code red? Did you you know just bugging yeah. bugging. Bug Finally, Jack Nicholson goes, "You can't handle the truth." And that to me is kind of what this book is all about. If you want to handle the truth, if you want to be able to handle the truth, get in alignment with the truth that you know the world is an awesome place and that you know this 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 force is trying to connect with you, trying to bless you, trying to guide you. You have to be able to handle the truth, and that is how you get there: is by gratitude.
0: Nice, I love that. Yeah. I love that, and I think that that's a practice that any of us can do so simply. And I, I when I first heard about gratitude, like thought of gratitude, I thought of it as like, you know, the steps in the, when you're, you know, AA where you have to like call people and thank them or, you know, get right with somebody or whatever. And, and that's what I thought gratitude was. And it wasn't until Jay taught me about, you know, waking up with gratitude on your lips and waking up with thank you. So like, I literally, as soon as I open my eyes, like, I think I, you know, I, I'm, I'm grateful for what, you know, so I come up with three or four things that I'm grateful for before I even put my feet on the floor. And when you do that, and was it, is it your, I think it's a Pam Graf thing, dance to a song to the bathroom?
2: Yes. Right. Yeah. No, I've got that AA 2.0 program that I kind of tongue in cheek mentioned on an early um, uh, interview that I did after E-Squared came out, you know, my AA 2.0 program. <laughs> and it's it's just been it's kind of just taken off. People people love it. Love but um, yeah, so
1: well and the AA stands for amazingly awesome, right?
2: Exactly. Yeah, and it's a two-step program, not a twelve-step program. It's so simple. That's the thing. You get up every morning. Well, I get up and I say something amazingly awesome is gonna happen to me today. That's like pre-paving or something magnificent and marvelous. You can call it whatever you want. Something really cool is gonna happen to me today. That's the first thought you have. And so that's where the AA, amazingly awesome. And the second step is I have a little possibility posse where we literally text each other blessings every morning, three blessings from the day before. The thing is, I've always been big on gratitude, but these have to be different. These have to be different every morning. So you're, I'm out there scouting, man. I've got to find my three blessings to tell to my possibility posse the next day, my gratitude posse. So anyway, it just kind of has you, um, you know, being proactively thinking about gratitude.
0: Heck yeah. And then, and then dance to the bathroom.
2: Yeah, yeah, we do.
0: My kids think at first thought I was crazy, and now it's they love it. And then you wake up in a whole different way when you're singing, you know, happy, and you're dancing. You know, to go brush your teeth. You know, it's a great way to start your day.
2: Yeah, and it changes everything. A lot of people poo poo, ah, that can't work. But you know what? Again, don't take my word for it. Try it. That's all I ask.
0: Heck yeah! Heck yeah! All right. Well, we're we're getting right here at an hour, and so what I well, my part of sort of finishing up podcasts uh, our podcast together is I'm asking every all of our guests a question, and my question is it's kind of a big one, and so I, I just want to know if you could give one piece of advice, if you could tell somebody do this one thing, and this is going to get you on your path to gratitude path to creativity path to you know creating the world that you want to create what would you tell them
2: one piece of advice to tell people to get on the path yes well, again, I think the gratitude is about as good as it gets. You know, I, I think start looking for things to appreciate. So that, that'd that be a real simple thing. I mean, if you want me to think of something a little more. Um, oh, that's perfect. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that would probably be always the first step. That gets you on the path. I mean, and in fact, if you start really looking for things to appreciate, this this force, this invisible force will find you. You know what I mean? It's out there and it's, it's around you all the time, but you know, again, you can't see it. So if you start getting on that gratitude frequency, then it'll show up and you don't really have to do a whole lot else. It'll, it'll, it'll kind of, you know, whisk you away. Nice. <laughs> well,
1: that's a great, answer. Love that. great yeah. answer. And then before we close, Pam, um, I really want to take a moment if you'll allow me to, to acknowledge you. Um, I, you know, you and I are, um, both believers that we're all connected. And that's part of the truth that we know. As truth students, we know that we're all connected. And we also know that then because we're all connected, when one of us gets it, it makes it so much easier for the rest of us to get it. And with your work and your, especially E-squared, but just you being out there in the world, um, being a champion for the divine buzz, I just hope, I want you to get present to how you make, it so much easier and so much more possible for everybody else in the world to get this because you're giving it to so many people at once. It's like you've just got this massive audience. And then you are that person that does that and yet you know and you've gotten you've been on the bestseller list for 21 weeks and I have known you for all this time, before you were on the bestseller list, after you're on the bestseller list, and you're the same person. Like nothing has changed. You're not you're you're not one bit of you has taken on any level of arrogance or, I mean, it's just been amazing to watch and it's um, such a powerful presence in the world. And I just want to acknowledge you and appreciate you for being who you are and and the difference that you make. So thanks for being with us.
2: Oh, thank you, Jay. That is so sweet. You're going on my gratitude list, Mark. (laughs) All right.
1: Check Mark.
0: (laughs) Well, real quick. How can people find you, Pam? Where can we send people? Um, we'll link to this in the show notes, of course, but um, websites. Can we find the new books on Amazon? You know, where, where can we find you?
2: Yeah, the books are on Amazon, but really the best place to connect with me is my website. It's pamgrout.com. I'm also Twitter, Pam Grout, Facebook, Pam Grout. Uh, I think I have Instagram now. I, I'm kind of trying to set that whole thing up for the Think and Grow Rich cuz we're going to do a whole little experiment with that but yeah so anywhere if you know my name you can find me nice. <laughs> uh, you know on the online
0: okay so pamgrout.com, and they'll all of the they'll be able to order books and stuff when the new gratitude the Think and Grow Rich comes out
2: yeah it's already up for pre-order so in fact it was really cool i just mentioned on facebook one day and it shot up to the number 1 new release in new thought like, because all I mentioned, hey, my new books are available for pre-order. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. I mean, it didn't stay there because, you know, people, but it, but it's like, I all I did was mention it, and so many people ordered it, it became the number one um, new thought, new release for, for a day. Oh, nice. That was very cool. Yeah, so it is available. People, A lot of people have pre-ordered it. I mean, I don't know that I'd want to pre-order a book until, if it doesn't come out until August, but obviously some people do. Well, so. I'm going
0: to pre-order it because I know that I'm going to want to read it because I <laughs> want to read everything that you put out. So thank you so much for joining us here today.
2: Thank you so much for inviting me. It's really fun. I love that we're all here in LFK. Heck
0: yeah. Heck yeah. All right. Well, we will um, get everybody to Pam Grout and and Grow Rich. And thank you so much, Pam.
1: Thank you, Pam. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Have a great day, you guys.
0: Alright, well thank you so much for joining us on Doing the Work with Jay and Becca. We hope that you got a little slice of practical transformation that you can use in your personal and business life.
1: And here's what we want to leave you with. Whether you are just starting on this journey of practical transformation and just starting with baby step affirmations just to focus you in a direction of loving yourself or whether you've been doing this work for a long time and you can literally say, I am thrilled with the path my life is on wherever you are, whatever you're dealing with right now, you're right where you're supposed to be. The thing that's in front of you is the thing that's gonna have you at your most powerful once you accomplish it. And what I know and what we know is if you're willing to take baby steps with progress, not perfection, and just staying on that horse, you're gonna get there. And we're gonna get there with you. So thanks for being with us.
0: Now, don't forget to go and subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Let us know what you think. And reach us at info at doing, uh, sorry, info at j and, and that will let us know if you have any topics you want us to cover or anybody you want us to interview. Maybe you.
1: You can reach us at our Facebook page too, right?
0: Yep. Yeah, totally. So um, that's just facebook.com slash becca. All right. We'll see you around next time.